to me, creating a photograph is like, it's like writing a poem. It's this condensed version of what you want to express as an emotion or something that you can show without words. And I'm such a word person that that contrast is, it's helpful for me. It lets me sort of access this other part of myself. I mean, I've done a lot of different creative things in my life, but photography is sort of endlessly um, exciting. There's always more to learn. There's always some way to grow or something to try or something to express that's different. Hi, I'm Kate Miller Wilson. I'm a large format photographer, uh, mostly shooting eight by 10 and four by five. I take a lot of pictures of my kids and my family, my friends. I started out shooting digital. I was obsessed, you know, like everybody um, who really gets into it. You just get so into it. And I was shooting, you know, two or 300 photos a day and just trying to see what made something a good photo. And so I was able to learn that way, but I stopped feeling like I loved what I made after the learning curve. Like after you get the basics down, you got, you know, the exposure triangle and all that, all the composition rules. And but for me, at least, I ended up sort of losing a little bit of momentum and I realized that I needed challenge and I needed to feel like I was super invested in everything that I was making. So I switched to film and I started like for a little while with medium format, but what I knew I really wanted to go with large format. I loved large format photos from the beginning. And so I picked up a large format camera and just started started working on it. And it was immediately awesome. It's, it's not easy sometimes, but it's, um, it's just super inspiring. It's a great way to see the world. What was it about digital that you, you just like, did you not like the post-processing essentially, or was it like the look you couldn't get? I loved the post-processing. I loved shooting. I mean, I did it just obsessively for probably five years, but I started to feel like, and it may have been a product of the sort of environment that we are all in where you're posting. It's like, I shoot, I post, I shoot, I post, I shoot, I post. Wanted to post every day. And I had so much pressure on myself to create something new and different every day that it didn't feel like success at some point. And I stopped feeling like I was in the photo. And large format, it's so much slower. It's one shot at a time. I'm the most, I mean, if I'm shooting for a thing, like like photographing a model or working with a friend for like a a shooting session. It's, you know, maybe 12 shots, maybe 18, not 300. Why documenting your family? Mostly you photograph your family and friends, but a lot of your work is centered around your immediate family. So if you can talk about why you're photographing them. That was what started me with photography. I wanted to take pictures of my kids as they were getting older. And I didn't really aspire to anything artistic. I just wanted, but I, I think I kind of did. I just didn't realize it. I wanted, you know, the blurred background, the sharp subject, shallowed up the field, basically. And the reason I wanted that was that it reminded me of how we remember things. Just this one thing stands out from everything else. And we're not, when we look at things and when we think about things, we're not seeing all of it at once. And 
that sort of selective focus really appealed to me for that. So I started getting into that and, you know, shooting prime lenses and shooting wide open and learning how to do that. And it just became this way to document how my kids were growing up and how I felt about that and how and my relationship with them, because I feel like as a portrait photographer, you're making a portrait of someone else, but you're also making a portrait of yourself and your relationship to that person. And I really tried to include that. And then I started working a lot with my older son who is on the autism spectrum and it became a way for us to connect. And we did a photo book and a whole series with that. And it was really powerful for us in our relationship. And I mean, none of that really connects to like the large format thing that just became like <laughs> the next iteration of the same, the same thing. But I, I've never been, um, I've never been a strong candid photographer. I do some stuff that's a little documentary, but it's it's not candid most of the time. And so large format was a natural choice because it's hard to get it, you know, to be candid. I try for it. I try to make it look candid, <laughs> um, but it's it's not a lot of the time. And my work never really was. Yeah. Talking about your journey with your son. And I'm mainly curious because I went back and listened to some previous podcasts you've done. They were like three, four years ago. And so I'm kind of interested, like since that kind of book was finished and then you've kind of pressed into large format more essentially, how has that relationship between your son changed as the camera changed and as that book, as that book project kind of closed, how do you see that relationship changing in terms of you, him and the camera? That's a really good question. And I try to you know, make things really positive and, um, and it is, but my son is a teenager now <laughs> and it, that's been really hard. Um, it's getting easier now, but you know, the last three or four years have been, it's been really difficult having a kid on the spectrum going through the teen phase. And I haven't really had the same photographic relationship with him during that time because it's a lot of work day to day for us sometimes just to try really hard and get along and not have conflict and <laughs> you know that I didn't want that in my in my work I couldn't figure out how to incorporate it recently that's gotten easier and I've been able to do more with him and we, it's been really good for us but I don't think that that was really part of the large format shift, but it may have involved the process of the book ending that because it was really intensive to try to assemble all the photos for that and do that project. And then there's sort of a lack of direction of like, where, where am I going to go now? I don't have another project. I just keep shooting. And I think that the shooting, the process of shooting together is really good for us. And so getting back to that has been good too. It's hard to tell whether... I want to shoot him more because, you know, we're getting along and things are going well or we're getting along and things are going well because I'm shooting him more. For a long time, I mean, I I used to try to take a photo every single day for, I did it for years and years every day, even after I switched to film in large format for a long time, just every day, even if it was like, this is a waste of a sheet of film, but I'm just going to do it. My kids have always been really good about being willing to to sit for that, which is, it's a big ask sometimes because it's time consuming. And even though I'm pretty fast at this point, it's still a lot to ask, you know, your 10 year old with ADHD <laughs> to just hold still for <laughs> just a little longer. Um, yeah, I photograph one of them, usually one of the two kids 
maybe three times a week, four times a week, something like that. And my eldest son, at least every week, you know, for the last few years. With your son that has autism, do you collaborate with him or like now the kind of at least the last year or two, what is that relationship like in terms of, hey, let's go make a photograph or is he doing something and then you're, you're just like, I'm going to go just keep doing what you're doing. I'm going to go get the camera and be right back. What's that kind of dynamic like? Traditionally in this relationship we've had, I have an idea and want to make that happen with him. So, and he is willing to do that. Then other times we want to go somewhere. Like he loves rivers and waterfalls and like moving water. He's just really into that. So we sort of have this deal where like, we'll go someplace and then we shoot while we're there. So he gets to see the thing he wants to see. I get to do the photos and it's, it ends up being kind of like a parallel play sort of collaboration where we're not really necessarily working on the same thing, but we're playing together next to each other. (laughs) So that has, that's been a thing. And then most recently he's really, he's had some ideas or I've tried to formulate ideas that have to do with things that he values. Like he's, the environment is really important to him. And so we just did one yesterday, day before yesterday, where we, taped a bunch of little tree branches to one to each of his fingers and you know just tried that or like (laughs) like they're so used to like weird stuff at this point I was like can I put a bird's nest in your hair and he was like sure yeah it's it's mostly that I have an idea and then he is a willing participant in making it into a photograph and even comes to me now and say do you want to make a picture of me I, and I think it's a way of saying, can we interact right now in this way that we know how to do? How has the, the photography, like you photographing him, just benefited your relationship? Well, there, there are a couple of ways. One is that, you know, if you're driving with someone at night, you can have these great conversations because it's dark and you're both looking at straight ahead at the road and you're not sitting there having this, you know, face-to-face conversation, that kind of distance creates an intimacy that's sort of paradoxical somehow. And having the lens between us can feel like that too. It It's, it's enough distance to create sort of an openness. And then with large format, it's such a slow process and it's so mindful. Like you're just right there. You're seeing what you're seeing and you're and you're doing, and that's all you're doing. Like, so, so the focus, I think that I am, I have on him in that moment. I'm, he can talk to me about whatever he wants to talk to me about and I'll listen and, you know, work on getting everything set up for the shot. And he's, he's got my attention during that process, which I think I try to do anyway, but life is <laughs> life is pretty loud a lot of the time, and that that it just gets a lot quieter when you have when you're seeing it upside down and backwards. How old is he now? He's sixteen. Okay, interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we have yeah we have uh, two sixteen year olds. So I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah, or we have twins. So oh wow, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay, so you made you made a comment <clears throat> earlier, which I kind of find fascinating but as, yeah. as I was kind of reviewing your work saying that you don't really do a lot of candid work but there is I think a pretty high level of spontaneity in your images like it's not a very rigid 
pose. Like it still feels like there's a genuine relaxation or somebody's doing something. Yeah. I don't, I don't really pose people. I will tell them to hold still, or I might have like, I find a spot with good light first. And then I kind of might have a concept, if, especially if it's a weird thing, like taping branches to his fingers, right? That's like mm. not going to happen in regular life. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then I, once I do it, I don't pose him. I'm just like, let him do what he wants to do with it. And then just say, well, hold that, you know, and then I take the picture. So it is sort of a hybrid process. And occasionally I get an actual candid large format photo. And that is like, I love that when that happens, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it, you've got to already have the camera set up, be like reasonably focused and swing it around and quick find focus and then get the, it, it, it's, it's hard. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. Yeah. But I try to make it real. I try to make what I'm doing real. And even if it is something sort of conceptual, something that really represents the person or the interaction. Yeah. I'm trying to imagine you know, because large format, like it's a big, it's a big show, you know, you got to yeah. set it up, you get your tripod out, you got the, yeah, the, everything. I would imagine photographing your family, they're getting, they're used to it. So they're yeah. kind of are more relaxed and all that. But even then, I still think there's a little bit of like, once you're ready, there's a little bit of like, now what? And I'm wondering if, if you just are waiting, if you're using like cable release, or can you kind of kind of let the moment simmer like i'm just curious how soon you take the picture after you're like ready ready like what the camera's ready and ex, you know exposures are all there i am really fast and i really waste film um okay <laughs> <laughs> so i mean i i have a pretty decent success rate but i like i also know that if i want anything that feels real i need to take it quickly because the longer somebody sits there the weirder it gets for them and <laughs> and so I, I try to just, I try to move fast. I, I usually shoot six, six photos and, and I do wait sometimes. Like the other day I was doing one with my son with a sparkler and he had a top hat on and the sparkler and I had to run and light the sparkler <laughs> because mm-hmm. I'm like a one woman show. <laughs> I don't have an assistant. Right. So he's, so he's standing there and I, get, I have to pre-focus on him because I need to get the photo while the sparkler's lit. But I also have to like, so I mean, I would it timing wise, it's like, you know, get it all set to go and then wait for the moment when the sparkler is like lighting it, having the right, you know, pattern of sparks and then trip the shutter or with the kids. Like I sometimes do things. I took one of my son with a dog that's in our family like the other day and I just I took four of it and I just waited each time tell it looked like the dog. I mean, my son's easy. <laughs> the dog mm. is not. <laughs> so um, wait until the dog was sort of looking in the right direction and then take it. And you don't know if it's in focus because you, the dog is moving. <laughs> so there's just a lot of, I don't know, a lot of randomness and, and waiting, but not waiting too long. Yeah. I mean, one of the themes of your work is think like you're not afraid to embrace imperfection so I guess a like where where does that willingness to embrace imperfection come come from and like kind of why is that important for you well it's a chance everything that we do creatively is a chance it, you're you have to have a certain amount of vulnerability and put yourself out there and say I'm gonna I'm gonna try this new thing and see if I can learn how to do it and when you do that it's not perfect 
If you keep doing that, you run into a lot of imperfection, but it's not always a failure when it's imperfect. And there's a vulnerability in that, and there's a power in that vulnerability. So being able to to be okay with something having a flaw, a light leak randomly, or, you know, the focus just isn't, is not what you wanted. And I mean, part of shooting large format is I forgive myself for more things than I did when I shot digital. I was, you know, I would zoom in on the eye, the near eye. Is it sharp? Is it sharp just on the lashes or is it, you know, is the iris sharp? <laughs> like, it all mattered so much to me. And now I'm like, well, I shoot wide open with these like lenses from, you know, the 1920s and I'm and I do a lot of of camera movements that change the plane of focus and I have subjects that are moving and I if my image is reasonably sharp, I'm happy with it now. <laughs> but I think that being able to forgive yourself and being willing to take the chance, that's part of the magic. Even just looking at some of your self-portraits, like you've, you know, you, some of them are nude or semi-nude and you show like, your body and you've talked about it, I think, in other podcasts where you're like, okay, with showing your body and not, and not, not everybody's comfortable doing that. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's a complicated thing as a female photographer because there are a bunch of aspects to it. Like if you're doing a self-portrait, you are controlling how you are viewed in a way that being the subject of a portrait, you don't get to do because you're you're the photographer. So you're controlling the lighting, you're controlling the camera angle as much as you can, because you can't see with large format, you can't see what you're doing. <laughs> so it's, um, it's also another surprise. I think that having control of your own image that way is really empowering and allows you to see what you might perceive as your flaws in a different way. And that's really cool. It's also hard because as soon as you put that out there, it's out there. And you're, there's that whole, you know, girls with cameras, nude self-portrait thing that people can be kind of scornful about. <laughs> um, and I think that anybody who tries to do it knows that it's way harder than, <laughs> way, way harder than it looks and harder than taking any other kind of photo. But it, you have to be ready for sort of, it's this the whole male gaze, female gaze, and how we see ourselves and how we're perceived. And when we make an image, we let go of how other people are going to view it. That's not within our control. Yeah, I'm thinking there's specifically have an image where you're kind of leaned over to your left and you're kind of showing like your side and you're kind of, you know, at least Instagram, you know, they're looking for like the perfect body angle where it's like there's not any sort of role. There's like nothing like, right, like they're putting the camera up high, like just everything to make slim as possible. I'm just, yeah, curious if you can talk a little bit more about why taking that was important and then also sharing it on a something like Instagram, which is usually antithetical to that. First of all, I think it's so much more interesting to take a picture of a real person in a real person's body than something idealized. That isn't it. I'm not in the business of making things perfect, even though as a woman, I want to look perfect. We we all have this. We, we all grow up with that. Right. 
but I am 46 and I've had two kids and two major abdominal surgeries. And I, I know I never will have that idealized body, but I have what I have and I want to be able to own that. And I want that to be seen as beautiful and not to contribute to the idea that everybody has to be perfect. So sharing it is, it's scary to share that kind of thing, but it's also sort of in line with what I value as a photographer. Which is, you would say, what is that? Genuine, which is a silly thing to say, because we're not in the business of even people who shoot documentary photography are choosing their angles. They're choosing what they're pointing the camera at. We're not really showing exactly the scene, but I want to show what beneath that is real, what the real emotion is and what the real connection with people is. So this is why I find your work interesting because I think it's hard to do large format because it's such a cumbersome process. Mm-hmm. But to have images that feel soft and genuine, like a gentle, caring, open, vulnerable is a really great accomplishment. Oh, thanks. So I think a lot of people are interested in large format and or wet plate, which you've done. Mm-hmm. I'm curious kind of how you handle picking the best images, because I think large format wet plate kind of have this thing where it almost makes everything look cool. How do you move past that into something that has deeper meaning and context and is more emotion tied to it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that is one of the great things about large format <laughs> is that everything looks amazing. <laughs> it's like you pull it out of the tank after you develop. Wow, this is awesome. And it, you get the dopamine kit that I used to get from posting online, you know, and having it be well received is now, it is and maybe always was, but really for me, it's looking at it and seeing the one thing that like, it might not be every shot, but the shots that worked so perfectly and you're just like, yeah, that was what I wanted. And I guess that's what I used to, to choose the image. It's like, what do I love about it? Which ones do I love? And if, there, if it has a technical flaw and it's bad enough that, you know, that's out. <laughs> um, but most things don't. Most of the time it's just, is this composition, does it draw you in? And is there emotion in this picture? That's always, is there emotion in this picture? And if there isn't, then it's not a picture to post or share or show to people because it isn't really accomplishing what I want. You photograph your parents, feel like a lot. Talk about that relationship. I'm really lucky that my parents are still around and still together. And a lot of what has always motivated me long before I did photography, when I would do more writing-based art, I'm really motivated by this idea of the family romance and how beautiful it is to have family and have this overlapping of generations that we are so lucky if we get and not everybody does. And having the ability to, my parents live close to me now and I can, I can photograph them often and try to do that and try to photograph them with my kids and with my nieces and the two of them together. They've always been super supportive of my work in lots of ways, but also especially my photography. They're always willing to pose for photos, even if they're not really in the mood. Like so I was just asking my dad yesterday, well, I didn't photograph you guys on your anniversary. Will you come over please so that I can, you know, get a picture of you? And he was like, oh, sure. 
which <laughs> I was like, you always say that when you don't really want to do it. But he, he was like, no, I do. I, I do. <laughs> so they're, um, they're just really supportive, but not just in the like, good job, yay, but in the will be photographed and be vulnerable and be older people um, who are comfortable seeing pictures of ourselves. And that's, I, I just really appreciate it. And I think it goes back a little bit earlier, just not even that like older yeah. sometimes older people aren't comfortable because they don't yeah. want to see themselves <laughs> like getting older necessarily yeah absolutely um, it's, it's really everybody. hard like yeah. it, it's hard for me um you know with the self-portraits it's hard sometimes you you look at it and you're just like oh but then you get past that and but I think that as a subject of a photo and not the photographer you're vulnerable to the whims of the photographer and how they're going to portray you and how they're going to show the image when they do. And that takes a lot of trust. Yeah. Do you have a dark room or are you just like developing and then scanning? I have a dark room. I have not started printing in it. Oh. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do developing. Uh, I develop wet plates in it right now, planning to start printing over the winter because winter is a hard time for me. I live in Minnesota and it's, oh. it's large format and, you know, zero degrees. It's just it's mm. horrible. So I, I like to try to learn new things over the winter. And that's, that's my plan. But I've had a hybrid process for um, several years now and just scan and edit the scan and so you yeah. scan yourself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Am I asking what, what you have scanner wise? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, Epson V800. Okay. Yeah. Is there much difference for you between 4x5, 8x10 in terms of the process, what what you think it does with your work? So I really thought 8x10 was where it was going to be at, that I was working toward that. And getting into 4x5 is not that expensive as far as photography is concerned. It's like you can get into 4x5 for way less than like a new digital system or whatever, right? It's not prohibitive. But eight by 10 is, you know, four times the cost of four by five in pretty much every way um, from like the cost of the camera to the lenses, to the film, to the film holders, all of it. And that's fine. You know, you work up to it, you get it. And I thought this was like the thing I needed to achieve. And I did. And then I realized that for my process, it's not actually better most of the time. Four by five is not particularly cumbersome, even though people who don't shoot large format <laughs> might disagree with that. But it's um, it's portable. You can take it with you. It's you know you put it in a backpack. It's easy to take on adventures with kids. It's it's not hard to handle with like one hand load the film holder. It's not. It, it's just everything is simpler. With eight by ten, it's everything is bigger, and you're like up on your tiptoes trying to get up to the top of the camera if you have it up high and to load the film holder, and it's four times the weight. Well, probably not two times the weight. You know, it's it's just significantly more cumbersome in almost every way. On the other hand, shooting wet plate, an eight by ten plate is just this gorgeous thing, like in your hand. It's just amazing because it's it's big enough that it feels like a print but but it's tactile and shiny it's it's cool 
What do you um, What are you liking more right now? Wet plate or four four by five? Well, so I'm mostly four by five film. I mean, I shoot. I've been doing. I did wet plate like two or three years ago. It was the first year of the pandemic, and I was going to take a workshop, but then I couldn't because there weren't any. So I had to teach myself. It wasn't great, you know. It, it's like it's really hard. And I started again this year, and it was not great. I'm to the point now where I'm getting things I like, so that's good. But it's incredibly hard, like the hardest. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's like four by five, eight by ten, wet plate. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's just and and like with four by five or or eight by ten, but really they're the same as far as like the actual process as a photographer. It doesn't it doesn't change too much. But shooting large format, I it, with film, I got images I loved right away. The first shots, I was like, yes, I, I, you know, I, there was, there's a lot to learn, but it's also possible to get things you love immediately. And wet plate is not like that. Like the learning curve is really steep and it takes forever before you can feel like, at least for me, because I haven't really been professionally trained, but there's also some unique aspects to it. Like what we were talking about before with imperfection you can't control everything that happens and not being able to control everything that happens is really good for someone like me who does try to control a lot of things in their life. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's um, so that's really good. And I can get things that have sort of a, an element of magic to them that film isn't really random enough to have. Yeah. It's kind of one of the things I was talking about. I mean, what I wanted to talk about was at least for me looking at your work, there's a bit of, um, it's, not, it's more of a memory. Like there's mm-hmm. this idea of memory. Yeah. Not necessarily nostalgia necessarily, but especially wet plate stuff has this weird ability to, you take it, you look at it, and it immediately feels like it's like 200 years ago or yes. something. But it's like, oh, it's five minutes ago. Right. Um, it it kind of amplifies this idea of memory, I feel like, in like the final product. I don't know if you can talk about why you're maybe attracted to that with the 4x5 and the wet plate, that kind of thing. I love the idea of time travel with photography that we can, for instance, say you take a a long exposure and it's, you know, a second. And that second is not just one quick thing in time, not one, not one quick moment. It's, it's longer. It's like this little section, like a video almost, except they're not moving. So you can kind of capture it and stop time, even though we, we never can. And we always that's something I'm always trying for. Like I remember as a kid, you know, going through old photos with my grandpa and how it could bring people back to life in a way. So it's sort of like a time capsule. Like I can send this forward, but also this could be something that happened a long time ago. I'm kind of going for something that's timeless at the same time. I, this all sounds <laughs> probably a no, little bit it. random. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm interested in what your goals are with the family photos or are you... You feel like you're kind of creating a body of work or working towards something or are you just shooting? That's a question I ask myself a lot. I used to have a goal. I mean, I I did have a goal with the book and the autism project and I have had, I've done other series since then, but I don't have a a strong direction. I just know that I need to keep shooting. Um, And, and I remember, tried to remember that in the times when I don't feel like shooting because those exist, you know, for all of us. And I just keep doing it and just keep doing it. And I feel like eventually the direction becomes clearer. It's a little difficult though. I think, I think things changed weirdly. Things changed with the pandemic. Like I had this plan of, you know, trying to get into more galleries and trying to be 
you know, get solo shows. And then I got a solo show at the beginning of the pandemic and no one could go to it. And it was, you know, it wasn't something in the real world. And that sort of threw me like, where, where am I? What is, what's the goal then? So I can put more things on my CV to be, I've been on all these group shows. Yay. But what does that really mean as far as that doesn't feel like success? And I, I'm not sure what does, but right now I try to shoot just for the moments that I can, the moment of realizing I made something that, that I love, that I'm happy with it. And I don't know beyond that where I really want it to go. Is there any benefit for you? Kind of a combo question of kind of the digital immediacy of like social media and like yeah. kind of touching back on that idea a little bit to shooting 405 where you have to develop yourself. And there's assuming there's a lag, right, in terms of when you can actually see the photos and then you have to scan them. And then like it just delays you posting these things online. So I'm curious what benefit that delay has for you versus just being able to like shoot it, edit quick and then pop it on Instagram really fast. Sometimes if I'm excited about what I'm doing, the delay is not very long. Like I take it home or I, if I'm at home, develop it that day, you know, let it dry. Sometimes I don't even, you know, like, <laughs> like it's Scan pretty it. dry. It's yeah. pretty dry, but <laughs> it's not not completely. Um, and then I it's just because I must see it. And it's probably because I came from digital uh, and I liked that instant gratification. But at the same time, having a little time between when you make a picture and when you see it is kind of good for being able to tell what what is good. Um, you get a little distance from what you felt when you made it or your initial impression of it. When I was in college, one of my professors, they would all yeah. often encourage us to make prints. Obviously it's darkroom days, but yeah. they would encourage us to make prints and then basically like pin them on your wall to just encourage you to live with them for like days or weeks. And that's cool. They would kind of say the certain images that you feel are good will still hold kind of hold your attention and you would still find interest in them like later. Yeah. Where the ones that weren't as successful kind of get bored with them. It just becomes part of the wallpaper if, it, yeah. if you're, you get used to it. But then the things that are really great don't do that. Right. Yeah, yeah they I keep could calling see that. you back in a way. Yeah. 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 So I, I think that's important with the lag because I just think of like the generation of photographers that have, they've just learned digitally yeah. and they've learned on social media has always been there for them. Yeah. Um, and they haven't really experienced not having social media that we tend to share stuff that we're excited about, or like there's kind of some emotion tied to it about our experience of taking that image. And sometimes we, it's easy to almost overshare and not really share the, like the technically more correct and successful work if we don't let it Absolutely. like marinate. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think there's a big difference between what is, what resonates for me as a mother taking photos and what is going to resonate with viewers. Mm -hmm. um, there, there's some overlap, but there are some things that I'm like, oh, look how cute he is, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> that's only for me. That is all. And I, and once in a while I'll post that anyway and no, no one is going to be, <laughs> is going to be into it. But um, what you're talking about with, um, you know, what is technically a good photo and what is, you know, what you continue to notice is it's the things that, have the ability to sort of transcend our own personal experience and become 
something that we can use to connect with other people. Yeah, that was something I was going to ask you. So I'm glad, kind of glad you brought that up yeah. about a photographers were always tied to like our experience when we actually took the photo. Yeah. And like the positive or negative experience we were having. And so we tend to carry that with us through the images and how we think people should interpret it that way also, even though they were not there. Um, and so I think with your family, it's like you're doubling down on how hard this is because it's not just stranger, like you're extra intimate with the people you're working with. And so you see all the nuances of every little gesture, you know, my son always does this, or this yeah. is a new thing. Or, yeah. Yeah. And as, and as a viewer online, like we, we don't have any idea. I'm just curious how you pick this image is kind of touching on some universal themes and then. Yeah. This image does not, I don't know how you process that. It's just time. I feel like there has to be some ambiguity. There has to be something that's sort of uncertain that's happening. And if it, if that's not there, if it's, if there's not some little question in your mind looking at it, or there, if, if at least the possibility of a question, then it doesn't necessarily, I don't think it has enough on its own for my work. Like there, it, it needs to be a little bit like more than, oh, that's cute. It has to be like, well, what is, why isn't he doing that? Why isn't he, why does he have that facial expression? Or why, you know, what's the story with this? Or something uncertain, I guess. Yeah, I don't think you have to give everybody all the answers all the time. Yeah, and uh, I think you have to like do the opposite <laughs> to right. get, to get them engaged. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. A little mystery is good yeah. for everybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is photography, is it something that you've kind of made a career of? Like, do you make money off of it or is this purely personal work? I've done both. Uh, not like not made much money off of it for sure. But um, I did, you know, the I tried to do like the family photo thing for a while and okay. do in okay. photograph families. And I, I could, uh, but I'm pretty socially awkward. Like it's hard for me to put other people at ease. <laughs> and so that's not, that skill set isn't really something I feel like I bring to the things I photograph or the people I photograph. And I said so that really got in my way. And then I also didn't like having to shoot something that was, that had someone, someone else had an expectation. That's not motivating to me. Uh, it, which sounds like super selfish, <laughs> but, but I just really, I, I want to, I want to want to make it. And so for me, it's mostly an art now. Sometimes I, I sell prints once in a while. I sell books once in a while, occasionally, you know, win something from a contest or something, but it's, uh, yeah, it's just a side side art. I don't like the word hobby <laughs> for yeah, photography. Right. I just no. really hate it. <laughs> but, sure. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, cool. As uh, as we kind of wrap up, curious kind of what photographers, I immediately have kind of some people in mind, but I'm just curious what <laughs> photographers kind of influenced you most throughout your career. I mean, so Sally Mann, you know, are we talking famous people? Anybody. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> yeah. You can include yeah. Sally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so definitely, I mean, that especially in the beginning of my work, um, I realized, you know, shooting digital and like I would get a great image that I was really happy about. And then I would look at her work and I loved looking at her work and I would think, wow, it's like, you know, what they say about Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, how, you know, they're dancing and, but she's doing it in high heels and backwards. And, uh, and I realized, you know, this, what I'm making is not, <laughs> but I wanted to shoot for that. And so I, you know, 
that's a lot of what got me into shooting large format was just mm-hmm. being able seeing her work and what she was able to create with it and what she continues to create with it. And then I love I love looking at the pictorialist photographers of, you know, the turn of the century of the last century <laughs> um, and how they they created the idea that photography was art and not just just a factual representation of what we see and uh so I, I was really inspired by that so some of some of those photographers and then also um Emmett Gowan who did a lot of photos of his wife and his family and really showed that you could make art out of that that it doesn't have to be you know models or um or landscapes or you know that you can have this intimate this intimate relationship be also a, a subject of your of your work yeah i love that you said emmett he's like one of my favorites oh my gosh um, it's still like amazing yeah, yeah and he's <laughs> yeah. like influenced sally so yeah yeah um, so yeah that makes a lot of sense have you yeah. um have you looked at nicholas nixon's work much yes. like with the brown sisters and yes. everything oh my gosh so, yeah yeah okay. it's so good yeah he's somebody else that comes to mind because i think he shot a lot of large format yeah, I can't remember but, either, um, but I, that sounds right. I'll have uh, to look again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's famous for the Brown Sisters, obviously, yeah. but um, he has some other work that I feel like it was him that has some, there's some spontaneity to his yeah. large format stuff. And I know he did some stuff like the AIDS stuff in like yeah. the 80s, which was like really hard. But yeah, um, no, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think turning toward those, I mean, it, there's nothing wrong with like looking at, current photographers and and being inspired by that because there's so much to be inspired by but also having this sort of we have this history of all of these people who made made photography what it is and made it okay to photograph the things we do or made that into art or made you know all of that and it and I think that's really inspiring looking back at the history and yeah yeah I agree uh where can people find you um, just mostly on Instagram, um, Kate Miller Wilson. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for yeah. chatting with me. It was yeah, of a course. pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this episode of the Photo Podcast with Kate Miller Wilson. My name is Michael Howard. I'm the founder of Photo. And if you enjoyed this podcast, I would love for you to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can also support us by helping with the production cost of this podcast, you can become a paid subscriber to our Substack at photoapp.substack.com. I want to just thank Kate again for taking the time to chat with me. I hope that our conversation inspires you to take more photographs of your loved ones. So as always, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.